0: is Memory of Jared Orchen, and today we are going to learn the Aftora for Parshat Be'ar on page 1441. The Aftora is from the book of Jeremiah. We learned before some Aftorahs from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet who lived during that before and during the time of the destruction of the first temple. And he was prophesying during the time of three prophet, three kings. This is during the time of Zedekiah, right? Who was Zedekiah? Zedekiah was a king that was appointed by Nebuchadnezzar, right?
1: Yeah. He was the last
0: yeah. last of the kings. Last, yeah. king. Last, last, of, last king, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was two in terms of Zedekiah, yes. And uh, at that time, Jeremiah was saying one thing. God gave power to the Babylonian king, to Nebuchadnezzar. He is becoming the superpower of the Middle East. And therefore, don't fight him. Join him. Go under under him, pay taxes, and, and everything will be good. If you fight him, you lose the war. Oh, they, all the false prophets came. no, let's fight them. And Zidkiyar made a meeting with all the other leaders of the Middle, kings of the Middle East, Egypt, Amon, Moab, other places. And they, are, they stopped paying taxes. And that was a leading towards a rebellion. And then when Yudha saw that they are, they don't pay taxes, not because they don't have money, but because they don't want to. He came on Jerusalem, he came on Israel. And he conquered all the cities around Jerusalem, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. run away towards Jerusalem. And Jeremiah is saying, Tzitkio, you will fall in the hand of the Babylonian king. Nobody likes to hear it. A king for sure not. The king put him in arrest. Kind of put him under arrest also to protect him. Because everybody was so angry with him, they wanted to kill him. Everybody was against Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the non-a uh, popular voice in in Jerusalem. He had one guy that it's important to know about them. Who was his right hand? Uh, Baruch. Baruch ben Neriah. Who is Baruch? Baruch ben Neriah was the a scribe. He was the scribe. He was the spokesperson of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the first prophet or the spokesperson. Who wrote down the prophecies and the messages that he had to give. He was a great person. He was a disciple of the prophet. And at one point the Talmud says he wanted to be a prophet too. He said Joshua was was a disciple of Moses. What happened? He became a prophet. Elisha was a disciple of Elijah. He became a prophet. Why not me? What God told them? God told them the Jewish people, the temple is being destroyed, the Jewish people is going in exile, and you are looking for greetings for prophecy? You care about yourself? I remember once the Rabbi quoted to somebody who asked for a blessing to have a better understanding in Torah and this. It was after a very strong conversation about what's going on in Israel. Rabbi told them, it's like Boru Benaria, he told them that Jewish people is going is in such service and you are looking for prophecy, so to speak, you're looking for have a clear head to learn Torah. These are the two people that we need to know who they are before we start to learn this. And Jeremiah is in jail, in Jerusalem. I think they, they know where Chatzar Matarah was, where it was the, the jail. Boch Benirio is with them. Boch was one of the very important people in the temple. In the in the in the kingdom, but he, cho- he joined the unpopular side, Jeremiah. To appoint Baruch, Ben Baruch was more accepted by the people than his than Jeremiah himself. People listened to him quicker than they listen to Jeremiah. Later, both of them went to Egypt. According to some opinion, they from there they went to to Babylon, and they stayed in Babylon. The Talmud says that Ezra, Ezra was the one who, came, who went back, came back to build the second temple. Ezra did not come right away in the beginning because he had a teacher in, in Babylon. Bor ben Eriah was his teacher. And only when Bor ben Eriah passed away, then he made Aliyah to Israel. And Bor ben Eriah lived like a, probably a hundred years old or something like this. Not at the end of the world, but he lived a long life. Then, and now we will learn a very it's an interesting thing that happens there. It looks like a very, almost like strange that yeah, that it's that, happening, but it makes a statement of our faith and belief that one day we will come back to Israel. That's what the whole of Torah is all about. All right?
1: Good question before we start there. Isaiah, several generations beforehand, it predicted, you know, hold out, hold out against, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, Assyrians and God will uh, cause us to prevail and and God wiped out the entire Assyrian army. Jeremiah several generations, no, later, <laughs> uh, g- generations mm-hmm. later is saying, eh, "Give up, surrender, you know, be- become a become a a servant. If 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 we had been Jews at that time, seeing what what God had done previously, why would we have believed Jeremiah?"
2: Probably because he was Jeremiah. <laughs>
1: I mean, it was a different society, obviously. No, it was
2: a Babylonian yeah. it was a much more powerful. No, 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 no. it's what the Jewish people oh, are doing. They are all they
0: missing do. the point. When Hashem says A, it's A. And when Hashem says B, it's B. That's what it's all about. When Hashem tells you to do this, don't give in. The majority of the Jews in Jerusalem told Hezquiao to give in to the king, right? To appoint point that Hezquiao, the king, asked the prophet Isaiah, the majority is against me. Don't Jewish law says you have to go to the majority? I told them a majority against God is not a majority. It's like the majority of the people in the world don't believe in God. So, we should change our mind. Majority against God means nothing. Then a majority within Jewish law, that makes a difference. I told them majority, this majority. Then when Hashem told his not to give in, when Isaiah came and told them, stand strong, everybody else said, no, let's give in, let's give in. The same thing when Moses took the Jews out from Egypt. They wanted to go back to Egypt, right? When they saw the Egyptians running after them. God told Moses, "Told them, stand, don't run anywhere. God will fight for you. The Jews are the first one to give in. When Hashem tells them to give in, suddenly they become strong. Now that's called the Nehvon. The Yetzirah. The evil inclination. Whatever Hashem tells you, you want to do that? Look at the story of the spies. God says, let's go to the land of Israel. Oh, we said, the spies came. Okay, we will die in, in, in Israel, right? God says, you know what? You're not going, fine, try. You, will. you don't want, this Don't do me any favors. It's called in Yiddish, don't do me any favors. What happened the next day? A group of Jews got up in the morning. They said, we are going. Moses says, don't go. You will fall in the wall. We are going. Guess what? They went. They lost the war. They were beaten up. They killed. Right? Then tell me yourself. The same Jews who the night before cried they don't want to go, the night after wanted to go. And what is happening here? Then on a deeper level, Chizkida says that the Yitzhak told them not to go. The moment God beat up the, Yitzhak, the evil inclination, so to speak, by punishing them not to go, they woke up and said, Yve, what do, we, what do we have? Have we done? We missed. We lost the, the biggest opportunity." But on a simple level, you know, there is an interesting, interesting Jewish law that says if you do a mitzvah that you are obligated or a mitzvah that you're not obligated, when are you going to get more reward? Not
2: obligated.
0: Not obligated. What do you say? Not
2: obligated. What do you say? Not obligated.
1: Obligated. Obligated. Obligate. 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 Jewish law says
0: the opposite to popular belief that when you do a mitzvah that you're obligated, you get a bigger reward. For example, sitting in the sukkah, a man is obligated, a woman, it's optional. If she wants, she's doing it. she fulfills the mitzvah, if she doesn't, she doesn't. Who gets a bigger mitzvah? The man. More reward, the man. Why? You're obligated, they, they voluntarily did it. Tell me, your child, when he's doing something on his own to please you, he's much more excited. But when you tell him to do something, he doesn't want to do it. Why? That's the nature of people. When you tell them to do something, there is right away resentment. And he's on, his own, yeah, volunteeringly, sure, he loves it. Why do you think converts are more excited about Judaism than Jews? They did it voluntarily. Therefore, they're excited about it. And you know, his father told him his mother, the guilt is hard, blah, blah, blah. He didn't buy into it. Nobody asked him then that's what it's Throughout Jewish history. Whenever you tell the Jews to do A, they do B. Jews can never agree. You tell a Jew, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem, right? How is the Jew answering? Aleichem
2: Shalom.
0: Aleichem Shalom. <laughs> Two Jews can never say one <laughs> statement, agree. They cannot agree on anything. Say Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem Shalom. Say, say also Shalom Aleichem. Shalom, Shalom. No, have to say upside down. So true. the Jews the, the same thing is with God it's no surprise Jeremiah told him what Hashem told him at that time a Syrian king did not suppose to conquer Jerusalem therefore God says don't be afraid of him he will come and destroy him now God says the Jews did not deserve to be a kingdom on their own and Nebuchadnezzar is going to the, God calls them Nebuchadnezzar uh, Avdi the prophet calls the Vuchadnetza, the Babylonian king, my servant. Oh. My servant. That's how God calls them. The Wuchadnetzah Abdi. And the time when Wuchadnatza will be punished, will be punished. But now is the boss. That basically Jeremiah gives the Jews good advice. If you will serve the you'll stay in the land of Israel, the temple will not be destroyed, everything will be good. No, they want independence. What means independent? to be under the regime of, of Egypt. Not such independence. Yeah. They joined Egypt. They started to fight Nebuchadnezzar. They lost everything, everything,
1: right? Yeah, Go ahead. But, 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 but maybe part of the question is, I mean, you know, if you ask me, I, I always ask the question, how do you know that Jeremiah is really a prophet?
2: Oh. A true prophet?
1: How do you know that somebody is a true prophet? That's a question. Well, I know there's some Tests for that, but but, yeah, but yeah. back then communi- I can't believe that communications was that
2: good that you would really know. I
0: mean, you anybody who wanted to know knew. The bottom line is like this: my man puts it very simple. A prophet who says that who says something prophecy for good, mm-hmm. and it's being fulfilled exactly the same three times, you know that it's a true prophet. If he says something bad and didn't happen, does mean that he's a false prophet. Could be that God changed his mind from better good because they just did chuva, repent, whatever it was. Then if the prophet comes today, let's say you're the prophet, and you tell us that tomorrow the stock market will go up in a hundred points or a thousand points. And it went up exactly a thousand points, then then you then uh, then then you're a true profit. If it went up only ninety nine points, you're not a true prophet. 999.
1: Well, and was it but if you
0: told us that the the the, the, the stock market will go down a thousand point, and it didn't go down down, go down, you're not a false prophet. Could be the Jews Davent last night very strongly.
1: Yeah, changes. Yes, changes.
0: mind. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Plus, every prophet was was kind of um, empowered by the prophet before Who was Jeremiah's
1: rebbe? After Isaiah. Uh, several, uh, right
0: after, Isaiah. Years after Isaiah, most of the most of most, most of the prophets had were continuation. You understand? Elisha came after Elijah. It was always a continuation. It wasn't somebody showed up from nowhere. Hmm. I don't know if Jeremiah had a Rebbe or not. Could be not, but for sure most of them have.
1: So the tests had already been done. The people that wanted so to know. What beside Besides,
0: Jeremiah was a very religious man, and he didn't worship idols all day. and 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 most of them. The false prophets were many. And many guys run around and give you prophecies, stories, and everything will be good, and don't worry, and Hashem will bring you back to Jerusalem. You know what? It's like today. If you want, you know the truth. Many people don't want to know the truth. Fine. But it's not that they don't know. You go on the Internet, the truth is available, if you want to, if you want to accept it. And the people say, oh, I didn't know. Tell me I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. Then he tells me by then, you know what, really, somebody to tell me that. Ah, oh, really? <laughs> Sometimes I have to break to people very harsh news. And they tell me, I can't believe you told me that I didn't know, I didn't know. After the whole I didn't know, with all the tears who so didn't know. He says, yeah, yeah, somebody to tell me that. Ah, oh, you didn't know. That means people know what they want to know and they believe what they want to believe. It's like in, people say in America, nobody knew in America what's going on in the Holocaust. People knew, big time, They you know. They didn't want to know. There is books and, and research that shows that everybody knew. They did know to the extent we know today, obviously. But they knew enough to be alarmed. Same thing today with the, with the, with the Iran deal with this. We know. We don't want to do anything about it, but we know. Everybody knows what he wants to know. And we know what's going on in the world, you know. There is a, there is a crisis of a uh, refugee crisis. No, we don't know. We, don't know. we do something, no. <laughs> okay. Any questions? Okay, we can start.
3: <laughs> Go for it. said. God's word came to me saying, Chanamel, Chanameel. the son of your uncle Shalom is going to come to you and say, Buy my field and an assos, for you have the right to redeem it by purchasing it.
0: Okay, what's going on here? Anatot is a village not far from Jerusalem. A few hours' walk from Jerusalem. Jeremiah comes from Anatot, that's his place. That's where he was born. God tells him he's now in jail in Jerusalem. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian army, is surrounding Jerusalem, right? Anatot is already conquered by Nebuchadnezzar's army, by the Babylonian army. He tells him, your cousin will show up and he will try to sell you a piece of land in Anatot. Who wants to buy a piece of land in Anatot? It's like buying land today in Gaza. Somebody comes and tells you, you know, my grandfather lived in Gaza, I want to sell you a piece of land in Gaza. Very, you can, can you live in Gaza? Can you do business in Gaza? Can you go back? No. Then, then it's, not, it's not relevant. Why? Because you have the right to buy it. What does this mean? This is the connection to the parsha. Parshat Bar, it's written that when somebody sold a piece of land, and because he didn't have money, family members should come and redeem the piece of land. So to speak, the land should, be, should stay in the family. Then here is the cousin of, of, of a, 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 um, Jeremiah will come and tell him, instead, I should, buy, I should sell it to Mr. A. And Mr. A will buy it from you. You buy it straight from me. Buy what? Why should I buy? <laughs> it's like he has a line of 200 people waiting to buy the land. And I thought he's under the Babylonian army. There's not one Judah. Mm. Who's going to buy it? But as Hashem told them that, that's actually what happened. Continue. Number two. Number eight, um, eight.
1: Yeah. My cousin Hanamel came to me to the prison courtyard, as God said. He said to me, please buy my field in Anasos, which is in the land of Binyamin. For you are my closest relative who will have the right to take possession of it. So you might as well redeem it from now rather than have to redeem it from another person to whom I am forced to sell it. Buy it for yourself. Okay, he told them, you know, instead I should buy sell it to somebody else,
0: and you will have to buy a demon from it because you're a family member. It's almost like the Leverite laws. A family, in the Bible says that a family should, the land, as you're going to learn about the other thing, the lands in Israel, the land of Israel was divided to tribes. And God intended that every tribe should keep the land. Now let's say somebody from the tribe of Dan Needs money to marry off his daughter. And he wants to sell the land. Nobody in the tribe of Dan wants to buy it. That he goes, and there is a, he has a customer from the tribe of Judah. You know, the guy from the tribe of Judah will buy the piece of land. And then the guy from the tribe of uh, Zvulam will buy another piece of land. And then a guy from the tribe of Benjamin. Before long, the whole idea of <laughs> territories for, for tribes will be gone. Therefore, the Torah says in this week's Parsha, then by Jubilee, the land goes back to his original owner. Basically, he can only lease the land. Here he speaks about a similar thing, that the family member should redeem the land.
2: It just happened in the Book of Ruth.
0: Right? Exactly. Book of Ruth, he said, he said the person who will take the land should also, should also marry, should establish a name for the family. Marry the woman from the family and establish the name, yes. The same idea. It was very prominent in the time of the Bible, yes. I mentioned it just happened in the book of Word because the book of Word is being read on Shevos. We studied it on was. Maybe one day. i us see. If you didn't learn the kit, I don't remember.
3: Okay. I knew that this was uh, Hashem's word, so I bought the field in Amos uh, from my cousin Shemael. I weighed out the money for him seven silver shekels and ten silver shalim. I instructed that the, the transaction be recorded in a deed of sale, and I instructed the vendor to sign his name. I summoned witnesses who watched me weigh the silver on a balance.
0: He says, Jeremiah jumps on the piece of land like it was the hottest thing in the world, and he buys it with a full thing. He's giving money, and he says that much money he gave. Then he took it, and I wrote it down in a book, and I signed. Usually, the buyer doesn't sign. The two witnesses sign. For example, by Ketubah, the bride and the groom don't sign the Ketubah. The two witnesses sign the Ketubah. The day our witnesses, how the groom made a commitment to the bride to marry her, to take care of her. Then in every shtar, uh, it's called every document in Judaism, the witnesses sign. The buyer or the seller don't have to sign. It's written in the, in, the, in, the, in the paper that the buyer, who, who the name of the seller, the name of the buyer, all the details, but who signs the witnesses, that all of this is true. Here he took the witnesses, and he himself signed, to make it even stronger, that he bought it. And he weighed the money to make sure that it's real. How, that time, money was by the weight. That was the worth of the money. How much silver, how much gold, and so on. Number 11,
2: then I took the signed deed of sale, which had been made in accordance with the laws and statutes of those times, with the deed of public endorsement.
0: OK, what does this mean? <coughs> Every deal used to have two deeds. One, you write the information, you sign it, and you seal it. You know the stamps that they have, the big stamps? You seal it, nobody can open it. Why you seal it? To make sure that nobody changes it. Then to this is attached another, another paper, another document that's written the same thing. Open. The same thing, oh just open, not side. The open document is to prove somebody comes and says, oh, tells you it's yours, here it is. The sealed document, if they take you to court. If they take you to court, the judge will open the sealed document to see that this is the real thing. That everyone had two documents. Here, he bought with money that would be good enough, given the money, and be done. And he signed, any he had witnesses, and he signed the, the secret document, the, 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 closed doc, the, the classified document, and the unclassified document. Everything he did there. Why all the steps? To make a point in front of everybody there that he's buying now a piece of land, we in a place that is conquered by the enemies, that there is no chance in the world for him to go to tomorrow. Or, in, or who knows when. Why did it?
2: Number 12 I gave the deed of sale and the deed of public endorsement to Baruch, the son of Neriyah, who was the son of Machseya, Mach mm-hmm. in the presence of my uncle Hanamael, for they were the witnesses who signed the deeds. This also was done in the presence of all the Jews who were sitting in the prison courtyard.
0: He made a public event. Everybody should see it. He invited the old people who were there, people in jail, people out of jail. Everybody you can see. And the witnesses, and, and Baruch ben was the, his, his scribe, his chief secretary. Everybody was there. And what he told them, number 13.
3: In their presence, instructor Baruch said, this is what the God of Host, God of Israel says. Take this deeds and sign deed of sale and deed of public endorsement and put them into an earthen where they so they should be presented for a long time. I
0: says take this takes the take the deed. Put it in clear made out of clay and seal it, that, that, that's the way when you want to keep something for a hundred years for a thousand years, you put it in a clay uh, vessel and it will stay forever. It says I want you to seal it and to keep it, it should be something should stay for many many years to come. I read today that they actually found a stamp of Boruch Paneria in 1979, there is a picture of written on, on uh, and, uh, yes, on, on, online. He used to say, there is, and the person is a stamp, it is named, Brachio ben And he was the man who was who stays stamp, uh, stamped. Why? What was the point? Number 15.
2: Do not think that all this is being done in vain, because the fact that the God of hosts... No, God no,
0: of, uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: God of Israel said to me to buy Hanamel's field is a hint that the time will come when houses, fields, and vineyards will again be purchased in this land.
0: Ah, he bought it not for tomorrow because he needed a piece of land in Anatot. It's, it's real estate that nobody cares for. But he says, I want to start something now that I to make a reality, to make a statement that I believe that will be a day that real estate in Israel will be very hard, just like today. Mm-hmm. Now, we see it in, in, throughout the prophecies that when God wanted to, make, to, to, to tell them a prophecy, it's not enough that they just say it. Usually God wants them to do something. We also see in a prophecy that God tells them to do something.
1: Ezekiel, yeah, turn on his side, right?
0: Turn on your side, Ezekiel, you turn, turn on your side. Very good, what else?
1: Did Jonah uh, have to do say things to the?
0: The saying, not doing.
1: Did Isaiah have to streak for a while?
0: Streak? What streak?
1: Run uh, naked? And that's uh,
0: not a action.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 Moses,
0: Moses. Well, I mean, Moses did many things, but Moses was not a regular prophet. You cannot put him in the regular type category.
3: Ah. Uh?
0: Oh. Also Jeremiah, Jeremiah wanted to say a message then they have to accept the yoke of of, uh, Babylon that he built wooden yokes and he carried it on his own shoulder and he sent five yokes to every one of the kings who made the meetings to go against the Babylonian king against the sent them a present. Like put it on your, why he had to put it? He wanted to make a physical thing to represent the reality. But also where is for the future? Somebody did, did the things.
1: Ezekiel on the it's two sticks. He it
0: oh, very good. Which of Torah is this? Ezekiel
1: uh, 37, I know that. yeah,
0: mm, yeah, 37. I don't know it's 37. I just am looking for the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not here. It's
1: one, it's one of the this. early Genesis ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's one of the early Genesis. That's what I'm looking for. Um, Oh, page 1395, if you don't mind to turn the pages for a moment. Right in the beginning, Hashem told Ezekiel. Who wants to read?
2: Then God's word came to me saying, and you son of man take a piece of wood and write on it for Yehuda and his fellow Israelites and take another stick and write on it for Yosef a stick for his son Ephraim and the other tribes the whole house of Israel with them bring them close to one another so they may resemble one stick and they will miraculously join in your hands to be one go ahead and your people Say to you, tell us what these mean to you. Say to them, Almighty God says, observe, I am taking the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand, and the tribes of Israel with him, and I am placing the stick of Yehuda on it. And I will make them one stick, and they will join in my hand. The sticks on which you have written should be in your hands before your eyes.
0: And then he goes on to say, and this will be a sign that one day, the two, day, the two kingdoms will come together. Well, the idea to take two sticks of wood. You have to begin with something in reality. You have to start something in the physical world. Make something in the most physical way. Then people know that's the beginning of as much as in reality, Hashem can bring it down.
3: You see that with Nishan. Uh, with who? With Nachshon.
0: Nachshon. Yeah, Nachshon, that's a little different. he actually started to go. But yeah, in a little bit. Either you're talking about the, the, prophet, the apostasy should hold on to, mm-hmm. then you need to make it lower, one. Then uh, the same thing is here, Hashem tells them, go and buy a piece of land. For example, there is another one, which prophet Hashem told them to marry, I think Ezekiel, to marry a woman?
1: Hosea.
0: Hosea. That's yeah, mar- also after
1: them. Yeah. Um, Marya
0: Prostitute, uh, yeah, Marya Mary right? Gomer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapter two. I think it's uh, it's up there, chapter two. It's after of Bar-Midbar. You're going to learn that uh, very soon.
2: This also uh, reminds me of Abraham when he purchases the land in Machpelah.
0: More than that, it's written that Abraham walked the land of Israel. His walking was the beginning of purchasing, the beginning of the reality, because you need to do something physical. Because Jews are very good in philosophizing, we need to go out and do it. It's all about action. Judaism is a religion of action, and because we are so smart and we like to live everything in the world of of philosophy of fear, that the Torah teaches us how important it is it to start something real. And when you start something real, you know that you are really waiting for it. There is a Hasidic custom that by the breeze, you pay tuition for the child to the you give a. Um, a down payment for his tuition, for school, for Jewish day school, by the breeze. That's how you start. I mean, today in America, it's a normal thing. You open an account for his uh, college uh, tuition. But uh, in the olden days, before it was such a thing, that was a part of, because you starting, beginning his Jewish education right away, and you give a down payment. It's all about the beginning of action. That's what it's all about. Okay, we are, in pay, we are in number 16, I think? Yeah. No, no, yeah, number 16. Now comes a prayer from Jeremiah to God about the situation.
2: After I gave the deed of sale and the deed of public endorsement to Baruch, the son of Ner- Neriah, I prayed to God saying, Ah, if only I knew the true reason why you told me to buy this field. God Almighty, you have made heaven and earth with your great might and your outstretched arm. So nothing is concealed from you.
0: Mm-hmm. Then here is uh, Jeremiah is like praying to God. Please tell me what's the reason. Like why? Why? What? What, what is the future basically? Here is this. He mentioned Akel, agadol, agibor, right? Great and mighty.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In the prayers, how we say it? Great,
1: mighty, and awesome. Great, mighty, and exactly.
0: In, in, in no. Right? No. Godol, Right? Gadol, Gibor, and Nora. Who said Who said who? Who are we to give God praises? The great and mighty. The. the, 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 the. There's a story once uh, uh, a Talmudic scholar stood up and started to give to praise God, praise and praise and praise. When he finished, his, his rabbi asked him, you think I'll be less the great, or somebody I don't remember who just asked him, That's it? finished? Isn't that greater than you praise us? Then when we praise God, it's almost chutzpah. Will we take the right to praise God? Do we know what God is? How can a human being, a limited human being, praise God? Then." And we put it. who put together the prayer book. The We put
2: together the Shem. The, Shem. The, Shem.
0: The, Shem. the people the of, the assembly.
2: Assembly. The
0: the of the Great Assembly, right? the men of the Great Assembly, right? They were on the beginning of the Second Temple. You know, in Judaism, nobody makes up his own his own, his own praises, his own stories. In general, Set together, the first prayer: Baruch Ad Hashem, Elokenu, Kevsinu, Kevavu, Okay, La La Gibbor Vaniro, the Great. The awesome and mighty God. Who who, t- who told them how to praise God? Where they took it from? Moshe. Who says it? Will Moses say that? It? No. It's the Bible contest. <laughs> okay. It's somewhere. I think it was I think. She's We will not take bribe. Where is this written on?
2: That's
0: for sure in the Torah, yeah.
2: And the question is, where in the Torah?
3: um one for, uh, 1147
0: 1147
3: was you know, merciful and judgment well that's actually rashi yeah she's not
0: 1147 no it's not 1147 no um are Did you, you going to didn't find uh,
2: it you, uh? Daniel
0: say something similar Daniel the past? Yeah, 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 yeah. What he says, no? That's a different story. We'll get to it. But first, oh. we have to find out what Moses said. Um, I can use my my cell phone. That would be easier. But let's see if we can find <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I should be saying.
1: Uh, and God have ask Rabbi do that.
0: Exactly. Now, remember when he speaks about not taking, that God will not take bribe? God is the one of those things.
1: In the Judges section, right?
0: No. Here it is. Page
3: 1187.
0: Number 17. Who's supposed to read it? Go for it.
2: I'm trying to find
1: it. Uh,
0: 1187 well, for God seven. your God is yeah.
1: a God, for God your God is a God of gods and the master of masters, the great mighty and awesome God who does not show favor and will not accept the bride. okay
0: here if you look in the Ibu side that's four good. lines from the, from the from the bottom the last word is Akel, mm-hmm. and then start the next line Agado Agibor agibovarah see it mm-hmm. that's exactly what they say in the Amida part, so yeah. okay. Came Jeremiah he only used the two words. Akeila Goder. He have mideth vanora. Why? Agiba. A gibba. No, he says a gibber. says a gibber.
1: Akeila God is a It's now. Jewish people were about to be destroyed.
0: Oh the Jewish people were destroyed. He says noah means the awesome God. Say, I don't see, the, I don't see the awesomeness. He didn't see the awesomeness, so they didn't praise God with the word noah, awesome God. Then came the other prophet, Uro, who says Akel a Who was it? You sent Daniel. Daniel was later. He said Akel a gadol he omitted Gibor. He didn't say the word gibor, the strong. He says, I don't see strength. Uh, the, 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 the temple is in ruins. I don't see strength. Then we have one, the Bible. Moses says, God, gibor, Gadol, gibor right? Great, awesome, and might, great, mighty, and awesome God. Here you learn about Jeremiah and the afterah, only Daniel, I don't think it's afterah. The book the book, the book the book of Daniel? No, no. No, no I don't think so. He mentioned, he omitted the word gibor. Came the rabbis of the great assembly. They put together the praises of God. After whom should they go?
3: Moses.
0: Should they learn from Moses? Should they learn from Jeremiah? Should they learn from Daniel? Daniel, you sure it was Daniel? Maybe. I believe you. That they decided to go back to Moses. But where is his greatness? Where is his awesomeness when the temple is ruined? That they said this is his greatness. That he can see his enemies in his building. And he can control himself and let them do it. Because that's what he decided that this will happen now. He has the power to to chase them out of there. And he still chooses to to, to let them go. That's That's... The power of restraining—you know—that's not a very popular thing to say. They they they, they say that Israel should uh, should exercise power of restraining. That's that's what that's what he said about God. Then the Talmud says, if so, why Jeremiah didn't say it? Why Daniel didn't say it? The Talmud says something very powerful. Talmud says. Kevan Shamitiu lokisvulo. Because they know that God is a true God and they didn't feel, they didn't see the awesomeness of God, they, they didn't say it. They're not lying. God doesn't take praises that you don't believe in that you are lying from. Don't give me compliment that you don't really think that's true. The Rebbe used it. The Rebbe once spoke about the Holocaust. It was some rabbi in Israel who said that they, he understands why the Holocaust happened, because the Jews were not behaving right. And the rabbi told them, how do you say, Chetanin, you really understand how such a terrible thing happened to the Jewish people? It's a lie, you don't. And the rabbi quoted this Talmudic statement, because they knew that God is the God of truth, they didn't lie to him. Don't praise God and things you don't hold them. Say, I don't understand. I have a question. Who am I to understand God? It doesn't make sense. To say that you understand it, it makes sense. You don't believe in it. You don't really understand. You don't agree with it. Then what are you saying it? That's Arabic quoted from this from this Talmudic story that this is right in the after. Then we now when we say the Amida, we go back to Moses. We say Agadol, Noah. Nothing in the Torah, in the prayers is a made-up story. It's all quotes from different places in the, in the Bible. And everything was discussed and argued and came to a conclusion. And everything is, every letter in the prayer book, especially in the Amidah, is, is calculated and counted for and explained for. But this is a perfect example where we see it in the Bible, we see it in Jeremiah, we see it there, and, every, and we went back to the original way. Okay, we are number 19, I think. Yeah.
2: Right. Number 19? Yeah, please. Great in counsel, mighty in the ability to do any deeds you choose. Your eyes are open to oversee all the ways of men, to repay each man according to his ways and even according to his unintentional deeds.
0: Unintentional deed. God can pay you for mitzvahs that you do unintentionally. Jewish law says if you walk out in the street and a dollar falls out of your pocket and you'll never know that you lost the dollar and a poor man found it and bought himself a sandwich, God considers for you as a charity. Because unintentional deed also counted.
1: Right, please. Is this also talking about reward in the afterlife as well, or is it just talking about? The
0: sure, story? sure, in afterlife. Sure, sure, sure.
1: Based on deeds. Life years. and afterlife, huh? And all based on deeds. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, uh, I mean, when you come to afterlife, uh, it's all—it's all about how much we invested in the, how much we put in, with the, the, uh, deposited in the account. That's not why we do things. We do things. you could want to serve God, but if you do the right thing, you will uh, enjoy. The fruit of your action after life, you will appreciate what means enjoy. You'll appreciate what you did much more later. It's like a person who is 50 years old, when he's 20, he walked very hard to. I just read an article about We mentioned the Bible contest a week ago. In the interview, there, the girl was number two, Irbada was number one last year. That the whole family is learning Tanakh, the Bible. That they said, out. Oh, they have every Friday night, they have questions and answers on the table. And they have interesting technique, how to remember. One of the biggest problems with the verses on the Tanakh, many verses are almost the same. See mm. And they start, they start a verse and tell you who said it, and continue. That you can start, this, the beginning is the same, only by the end is one word different. That how are you going to remember which prophet is it? That they told them, make tapes. Everyone should make your tape of a different book. That when you start to hear this, you remember the voice of the person. You remember that your brother read you the book of Ezekiel. Your sister read you the book of Isaiah. Your uncle read you the book of uh, Jeremiah. And this right way you'll associate the room that you hear the book and the voice with the book that you'll Mm. you'll be able to remember which prophet told you that. (laughs) Then uh, in what context I wanted to tell you this? I forgot already. But, uh, uh, no, that about afterlife, the, re- the, re- the reward is while you are alive. And after life also, it's you enjoy. What, they, oh, what I want to tell you is, now a child is still 15 years old. Everybody's playing. They are not playing. They're reading and learning and learning and learning and learning 24-7. When they will be 50 years old, they look back and they say, they will just begin to appreciate how much more it was worth it would they not wasted the time. The same thing in afterlife, you are enjoying, you appreciate the time that you spend in doing good deeds, in doing mitzvahs, in learning Torah, much more. You say, ah, oh, that was such a good idea, I enjoy it so much. That's what reward is all about.
1: In, in 18, that I think we missed, uh, there's a statement that says, you punish children for the sins of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. So, so how, how does that fit into? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was an 18. It was yeah, we yeah, used 18. Yeah, we skipped. Yeah, uh,
2: that. okay, let's read 18. You, shall, you mm-hmm. show kindness to a righteous man's descendants for a thousand generations. For a
0: thousand generations.
2: And you punish children for the sins of their ancestors, O great and mighty God, who is called the God of hosts.
0: Then the Talmud is asking. First of all, the Talmud points out that for the, gener- for the okay. sins, it's only four generations. For good is for a thousand generations. That first of all, if you, if a thousand generations ago a great great grandfather did something good, you still benefit from it. For bad, only a few generations. That's number one. Number two, there is verses who say, "Well, the kids, the kids will suffer for the parents." Why? Mm-hmm. The answer is only when the kids continue in the ways of the parents, then they pay for the parents. But if they if they change the ways, they don't pay for the parents. That's right. if they. If they consciously behave in a bad behavior, not because they were raised in a certain environment, because they make a choice, then, then they, they are responsible for the parents too. But not if they're not. Okay, we are number 20. Right?
3: Yep. We okay. perform signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, which people remember to this day, both miracles to help Israel and miracles to hinder other men who are enemies. You made a great name for yourself that lives, lives it to this day. You took your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, placing great terror upon the Egyptians, and you gave them this land which you swore to their ancestors that you would give to them, a land flowing with milk from its animals who enjoy its good pasture and dates dripping with honey. Land flowing with milk and honey. The Havtora,
0: Chabad ends the Havtora here. Because Chabad looks forward every time to finish the Havtora on a good note. Huh. There is a sign in Torah, The concept in Judaism is very big, to end on a good note. Here is that, oh, you get to look in the language. But really, it's the middle of a conversation.
2: <laughs>
0: it's the middle of a conversation. Mm-hmm. The job of the Havtoras was to comfort the Jewish people. Therefore, so most of the pieces from the Havtora this is a very optimistic Torah. Jeremiah says, I'm buying a piece of land because I believe that one day we will buy land in the land of Israel. Who believed in the time of destruction that one day we will buy land in the land of Israel? That sounds like, like completely far-fetched. Redeeming the land to redeem the future. That's what I'm saying. Right. He wanted to tell the Jews around, don't give up. In the middle when there is a siege around Jerusalem and every, and. And everybody's fleeing for their, lives, for their lives, and they know they're going to be exiled. And he himself the exile. He says, but don't worry. One day, this is going to be a very hard place to be. It's almost like it's a similar example. He the Crown Heights." when the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe came to America in 1940, he settled in, in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights. At that time, it was a very, very upscale neighborhood. Very rich people, if they're rich Jews, to a point that when he, when he, he bought the, he bought the, B, the 770 and Eastern Parkway, right? the famous Chabad icon, neighbors took him to court because he's reducing, you know, just like it was in Richmond. he brings down the, the, the real estate.
1: Wasn't it a doctor's house?
0: It was a doctor's house <laughs> that he went out of business and he sold it and Chabad bought it. The whole thing out was at that time. Because the religious Jews everybody went away. Listen. <laughs> took it the code. I don't remember if they dropped it or the George said something. The bottom line is they bought it. That was in the forest. The '50s, it was even stronger. It was unbelievable. But in the early late '60s, early '70s, they started the, the city, started to build the apartment building, the section 8 building, the projects nice. what it's called. That brought down, and the all crime. the the lower, lower uh, scale families came in, and the, and mm-hmm. the violence and riots started to go in night. It was dangerous to go at night, and the Jews started to run away from Coronites like from fire. Mm-hmm. And they sold their house for nothing. And the only one who said, I'm not moving from here, was the rabbi. Why? For a few reasons. Number one, he said, the main reason he said, my father-in-law bought the building, and he was davening here. We're not living. That's it. Number two, by Jewish law, when you leave, what do you say? That—that's what exactly the enemies of the Jews want us to leave, to run away. They will do this, and they will run away. They will go. Then you—you're feeding into the enemies. Number three, who can leave? Who can run? Who comes now from France to Israel? The rich French Jews. The poor—they cannot afford it. To get up and move. Without knowing if you're going to have a job and buying a house and buying everything, You need to have a lot of money. Then he says, who is running away from Canaids? The rich. And what's going to be with the rest of the Jews? The, the, the widows, the single mothers, the rest who cannot afford it, where are they going to go? And what's going to be of all the, of the businesses, the Jewish business, the, the bakery and the butcher and the, and the tailor and all of them who so, survive on the community? And beside, what would be with all the shoes there? there were 100, maybe hundred shoes, who knows how many. Who's going to take them? Nobody says it's not moving. Everybody was moving. It was, in Karana it was dangerous to live there. And the Rabbi encouraged this to buy houses. And nobody had money, who has money? The Rabbi told my father-in-law to buy a house. He bought a house in 1973 or something like this for $26,000 or $24,000. The house is worth today a million dollars. It's a loch. <laughs> From my enemies, I wouldn't give it. A million dollars. The property is in Crown Heights. But to buy the land in 1970, when everybody was running away to Bow Park and to Flatbush and to all the other places and to Long Island and everywhere else, and in Crown Heights, they gave you the Chabad as so many synagogues in Crown Heights just by default. The people left the shores. They were Orthodox Jews. They will not sell the the shul to churches, God forbid. Or you cannot even make from a shul anything else. You cannot make from it a private home. You cannot make from anything. It's a shul. It's finished. That automatically Chabad took over. There is there was a was a was a Jewish center that was built by the conservative movement, I think, or reform movement, I think, one of the the, the largest in the country at that time. At until today, it's a huge building. It's Chabad building. Chabad got it for nothing. Why? Because they all left. That's what. Here, Jeremiah is doing. He's buying a land, and everybody thinks it's crazy. Everybody's running away. It's a war. There will nothing be left. But with faith, you turn things around. That's what it's all about. We can read a little piece of the Aftorah the, the Ashkenazi Jews, uh, all other continues. Chabad stops here. All other continues just to show solidarity with all the Jews who continue. Go ahead.
1: They came to take possession of it but they did not listen to your voice they did not follow your Torah they did not do everything that you commanded them so you caused all this tragedy to befall them the enemies have already climbed the mounds which are piled up in the city so they are ready to conquer it it is as if the city has already been handed over to the, to the Qasdim who are attacking it because the people are weak and will soon die by the sword through hunger and pl- or plague Whatever disaster you said might happen will occur, and you will see it. But you, God Almighty, said to me, buy for yourself this field with money and call witnesses, though the city is in the hands of the Kazdim.
0: He himself is asking Hashem, what are you telling me to buy? The the, the Chaldean? The Qasdim is the Chaldean, the, the Iraqis, the Babylonians. They are controlling the city, and you tell me to buy property? It's like he's complaining to God, why you don't do something?
3: Go ahead, Mark. God's, God's word said to uh, Jeremiah, saying, Look, I am Hashem, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me that I can't return the fields later? That's
0: true. He basically, God is using the same word that Jeremiah told them. Mm-hmm. God, can you, do, can you, can, you can, only you can do everything. He says, yeah, can I can do everything, and I can send you to exile. I can tell you to buy it and still send you to exile, and one day I'll bring you back. And this day is happening, borr Hashem, very soon.